Howdy, y'all, and welcome to the People You Should Meet podcast with me, Brett Christoffel, introducing you to interesting, effective, and sometimes creative folks of all kinds. Thank you for joining us, and now enjoy People You Should Meet. Howdy, y'all. It's Brett with People You Should Meet. Today, our guest, renowned surgeon, Dr. Rizwan Bukhari, MD, FACS, a board-certified vascular surgeon who treats vascular issues. Uh, he's a big fan of supporting the body's natural ability to heal. Uh, welcome, uh, Dr. Riz. Well, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to it. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Appreciate you taking the time to join us today. And I'm just going to jump in and where'd you grow up? So uh, I, uh, I I pretty much grew up in Dallas, uh, Dallas, Texas. Um, I was born in Ohio, of all places, Toledo, Ohio. Okay. The only reason I, you know, growing up, the only reason I knew what, you know, I'd ever heard of Toledo, Ohio was because of Klinger from MASH. Yeah. Remember <laughs> that's, what from went, MASH? that's what went through my mind. Yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, who, you know, so back in the 70s and 80s, uh, when my parents would tell me you were born in Toledo, it was fairly meaningless to me other than that, than that uh, from uh, from watching MASH. Uh, and then my, my, my dad was a, uh, uh, a surgeon. And so he was doing some training in Toledo. That's where I was born. Uh, as a matter of fact, the funny kind of the funny story about that is that uh, it was a small, small town and a small hospital. And he was the surgeon on call when my mom went into labor. So he got called in to be the person to do the delivery. So you, I, your dad I, delivered. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's why my understanding is my father was involved in my delivery. Uh, and then uh, so then. He uh, moved to Arizona, Tucson, Arizona, uh, when I was a small child from literally one to five, one to four uh, to do his general surgery. And then he moved to Dallas in 1969 uh, to do his vascular surgery here at Baylor University Medical Center. Uh, and this is where we've been ever since. Wow. Um, uh, kind of a, a very, very standard immigrant story, though, is that uh, yeah. it, it, it wasn't his intention to stay here. He was coming here to the United States to get advanced training and surgical techniques. And, and then he wanted to go back to Pakistan uh, to, uh, you know, to live, mm -hmm. uh, be with his family. Uh, he wanted to take these kind of new things back there. There was a lot of a lot of physicians in the 60s and 70s who went out to England and the United States uh, with the with the intent of going back. And many didn't go back and they called that a, the brain drain. But anyway, so when I was about eight, my dad did go back uh, to assess the viability of going back and practicing vascular surgery there. And in the 1970s, uh, it just wasn't possible. They, they weren't uh, doing that kind of stuff. Uh, so he ended up staying here, uh, you know, and so I, uh, so did I. So that, and so that I, so I've been in Dallas, Texas ever since, other than uh, going away for school and training at various times in my life. And I understand that your, your, it wasn't just your dad, it was also your grandfather who was a surgeon? Yeah, my, my grandfather, no, no, not a surgeon. Oh, okay. um, my grandfather was a village doctor. Okay. Uh, I, I, my dad grew up in a small town, which it's not a small town anymore. It's a city of millions now. Wow. But uh, back then, uh, uh, it was a, a town, and my, my grandfather was the village, I call the village doctor or the local family doctor. Um, you hear stories about, you know, him trading uh, physician services for, you know, bartering, you know, for chickens or eggs or, you know, services or whatever. So, sure. uh, he, um, so my granddad was a doctor, uh, and my dad was a doctor too. Yeah. That's fantastic. And I understand there's one other doctor in the family. Well, I hope, uh, my, my, uh, my youngest daughter is, uh, applying to medical schools right now. Okay. Uh, she has this, uh, uh, kind of desire to be a third generation vascular surgeon. Uh, and so, you know, I'm supporting her uh, in all that. Despite the challenges of being a physician today, I've told her if that's her passion, you know, we'll help her pursue it. That's fantastic. That's that's wonderful. Uh, so when you're a kid, what was your favorite thing to eat? <laughs> Boy, you know, uh, so I had this little uh, challenge when I was a kid because my mom would cook very traditional ethnic food. Mm -hmm. While yet I was a, a kid growing up here in the States wanting to have you know, American food, Americanized food. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it, whereas today I really appreciate my mom's food and what, you know, uh, what she makes when I was a kid, I wanted, always wanted, you know, pizzas and hamburgers and hot dogs and, you know, whatever, uh, spaghetti, whatever my American friends were having. 
you know? Uh, So it it was a bit of a challenge. So, you know, I, I, I would probably say pizza. You know, I remember, I remember uh, uh, there was a local pizza inn. You remember Pizza Inn? Oh yeah, okay. Pizza Inn and Shakey's and yeah. Yeah, many many uh, many people watching may not know what a Pizza Inn is because they, there's a Pizza Hut, but there's not a Pizza Inn anymore. Right. And there was a pizza there was a Pizza Inn around the corner, and I remember maybe about once a week it was kind of a special night. We would go and order pizza, uh, and bring it home uh, in their box, or sometimes we'd eat there. But uh, uh, and what, something weird about it is that we would put jalapenos on the uh, pizza, which not too many people did back then. Uh, but you know, it was just kind of an ethnic thing about what something spicy. Sure. Okay. Pizza understood. Um, what about when you're a teen, did you have a favorite band? Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, I was kind of in the tradition, into the traditional eighties rock stuff, but Genesis was my Phil Collins and Genesis were my favorite. Um, no no reply. uh, No. Yeah. Right. Uh, I got to see, uh, uh, one of my one of my funnest memories of uh, and maybe I, I'm trying to recall one of my earliest concerts was seeing Genesis play uh, at RFK Stadium. You remember RFK? Okay, it's funny because we're going to bring up all sorts of stuff that don't exist anymore. Where, where was that? Was that uh, uh, R- DC, Washington DC? Yeah, uh, RFK Stadium uh, in DC. I was going to college at uh, at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore. And they're kind of sister cities. They're like Dallas and Fort Worth. They're not very far apart. Sure. Uh, and so Genesis was coming to D.C. So I got to uh, go watch them play uh, in RFK Stadium. And uh, it was uh, it was like magic to me watching Phil Collins play the drums. Uh, it was he was just an absolutely amazing uh, drummer uh, in the air tonight. And it was just, uh, uh, ex- I can remember today. I'm, I don't remember too much about when I was 18. I don't know, uh, but uh, right. I, it was an extended play, you know, uh, almost uh, 25 minutes long. Uh, and it was just wow. fun to fun to hear and watch. Yeah, oh, I bet. So, so, Phil, so Phil Collins, but, you know, uh, yeah, kind of all of the traditional bands at that time. Today, my uh, my musical t- tastes have changed because as a as an older adult, I started to pick up the guitar. I wanted to learn to play the acoustic guitar. And my uh, my my guitar teacher early on was this kind of hard rocker, and uh, uh, he was all into all these '90s grunge band uh, things, and uh-huh. he would always be teaching me songs related to that. But what I found out was that so what he was teaching me is the acoustic versions of it, and uh, I uh, I began to have a just a tremendous respect uh, for them as musicians and artists because I always used to think it was just a bunch of noise. And but then when uh, when you broke it down and you were playing the music, that there's there's real music behind it. So uh, probably my favorite group today is the Foo Fighters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave Grohl is probably one of my favorite people. I, I, I like his moniker as the nicest guy in uh, rock and roll. Uh, and uh, so the Foo Fighters, uh, Stained, uh, Pearl Jam, uh, uh, a lot of that stuff. Because a lot of that stuff too, to me, translates really well into the acoustic guitar. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Thank you. I was curious, but, I, uh, but also country music. Uh, uh, you oh. know, I hated country. <laughs> I, I hate I hated country music when I was in high school. Really? Uh, there's this. I was on the baseball team, and a friend of mine uh, used to drive me to baseball practice every day, and he was into uh, that kind of progressive country at the time. Alabama uh, was the big group at, at that time, and he would play it, and I would. I, I just go, God, I can't stand this. You know, uh, but. Uh, I, I do. I really do appreciate country music today as well. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. You you've covered the gamut on that one. Um, <laughs> but tell me what, in case folks don't know, what is the difference between a cardiologist and a vascular surgeon? Um, so uh, there's some overlap uh, in what we do as far as the disease process. Uh, but you know, the cardiologist is a specialist of the heart. Cardio mm-hmm. meaning heart. Um, and so they, they cover the spectrum of diseases of the heart. The, the major disease we all think of and is called heart disease is atherosclerosis or plaque buildup in the heart arteries. That's the primary disease they treat, but they also treat other things like rhythm disturbances. You, we hear, we, you might hear the term all the time, we're in normal sinus rhythm, but then you might hear this term that somebody's in atrial fibrillation or ventricular tachycardia. There's, those are rhythms of the heart electrical rhythms and so they treat electrical rhythms uh they also treat heart failure 
uh, as, and some other various heart issues and conditions, but those are the major things. Uh, and uh, the atherosclerosis part is where a vascular surgeon overlaps, but a vascular surgeon treats all of the blood vessels in the body. So the arteries and the veins and the lymphatics, except in the heart and in the brain. So uh, I treat the disorders of the blood vessels. Again, my overlap with the cardiologist in the, is in the area of atherosclerosis, but there's a lot of other things I treat as a vascular surgeon that has nothing to do with atherosclerosis, such as renal failure issues, aneurysms, uh, uh, vasculitis, vasculitides, which means uh, inflammation of the blood vessels. Uh, so, but the, but the but the big disease, atherosclerosis, athero meaning blood vessel and sclerosis meaning hardening, so hardening of the arteries or plaque buildup which is so prevalent in our society is treated by both of us. And the cardiologist does it in the heart and I do it everywhere else in the body. So I might treat it in the neck for the carotid arteries for people who are, have had strokes or trying to prevent strokes. I might treat it in the belly or the kidney arteries or the arteries going to the intestines, or I might treat it in the arteries going to the legs. Uh, and there's, there's miles and miles of arteries, but of course there's the major arteries that we treat. The, the big, uh, my, my big area of focus personally is limb salvage or, or amputation prevention. Uh, and so the majority of my work, I'd say about 70% uh, of my work has to do with the legs, usually treating people with gangrene or wounds uh, or severe pain and trying to uh, save their legs. Wow. So you, you handle those who are at risk of, of losing limbs. Essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Typically, you know, as a vascular surgeon, typically by the somebody by the time somebody gets to my office, mm -hmm. their disease is is, is a, of a very advanced stage uh, that uh, requires some sort of treatment uh, in order to uh, improve their life, the quality of life, or or save their limb. Yeah. Okay. Um, and the 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 term that I read was pillars of lifestyle medicine. Um, tell us about those. So, uh, you know, we were just discussing vascular surgery, which is my primary profession, uh, which I've been, I've been doing for, uh, uh, believe it or not, 25 years now. I finished my vascular surgery fellowship in 1998. Um, uh, but uh, something that uh, had, had become very important to me kind of later in my career uh, was lifestyle uh, uh, and how it contributes to our disease processes. Uh, interestingly enough, um, my wife and I uh, used to live in an apartment building right next to a Whole Foods because uh, we thought Whole Foods is where we can get healthy food. And so uh, we wanted to live next to it. And there, uh, there was a lecture one time being given by a, a fireman uh, named Rip Esselstyn. Mm -hmm. And he's the son of Caldwell Esselstyn, who's uh, written some books on uh preventing and reversing heart disease. And uh, Rip is very much into that space and gave a talk uh, on, uh, on uh, uh, how nutrition is related to a lot of the chronic diseases that we uh, encounter today. And he challenged some of my beliefs about my own profession. I was a little bit even offended. I was like, oh, why, is this fire? why is this fireman talking about the stuff that I'm an expert in? How does he know more than me? Um, and he was, he was even saying some things that I, uh, uh, was not aware of or didn't even believe mm -hmm. specifically about that this disease could be prevented, atherosclerosis could be prevented, uh, or it could even be halted. And, and in some cases it can be even reversed. And, uh, as uh, somebody who was a board certified expert in this field, that's something I never even heard of before. And having practiced medicine at that time, you know, not just medicine, I've been a, med, uh, a physician for much longer, but a vascular surgeon for the last 15 years. Mm -hmm. It was um, a challenging issue. Um, but uh, at the same time, I was a little bit open to the message because I had grown a little bit satisfied by this uh, concept that my patients were, uh, I was helping them. I was doing bypasses and fixing their carotids and saving their limbs, but the disease that got them there continued to progress. And so uh, uh, my father had this saying that four good patients put me through college because the patients just kept coming back for a different procedure. 
Mm-hmm. And you know, they might have the carotid fix, they might have a bypass, and they might have another bypass. Uh, and then they might have a, a toe amputation and then a limb amputation. So, uh, you know, we're not, when we, we weren't curing their problem, we were just plugging holes and putting out fires is what I call it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but, the, but the underlying disease process was still there. So I had uh, some, some concerns about that, just that. I was just kind of uh, alleviating certain problems. And so my mind was open to the idea. I said, wow, if there really is a way to prevent this disease, if there really is a way to stop this disease from progressing, I, I really need to know about this. And so I, I went on my own personal journey of research. Uh, and um, I read something called The China Study by T. Colin Campbell. Uh, I read How to Prevent Reverse Heart Disease by Rip Esselstyn's dad. Um, I started to, to study the work of Dean Ornish, who's a, a really well-known uh, uh, physician. Uh, and uh, uh, the data, the science. Okay, so this is where, this is a, as a physician and a scientist. The mm-hmm. data and the science actually showed that there's good information out there that shows that you can prevent this from happening. And, uh, uh, but we've grown up in a society that is so used to it now being the norm uh, that we've kind of forgotten that or didn't really ever, we didn't know that. Uh, And it really has to do with the evolution of our society uh, uh, becoming unhealthier and unhealthier and unhealthier, specifically in our, uh, most specifically in our food choices uh, over the last 50 to 70 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just been getting worse. I call it the McDonald's era. McDonald's being introduced in the 50s and 60s and you know and just now there's uh if I go you know if I if I draw a one mile circle radius around where I live there's going to be at least 25 fast food places that serve unhealthy food mm-hmm. uh and so it's uh uh the foods we eat have a tremendous impact on our health uh and uh, they say about 80 percent of chronic disease today is caused by our diet. Um, and so I, I began to understand that concept very strongly uh, and uh, uh, studied something called blue zones, which are the five areas in the world where uh, people uh, are to, uh, very often look to be 100 and healthy. Uh, and then I went on to learn about lifestyle medicine. And uh, I went on and studied and became board certified uh, by the American Co- uh, Board of Lifestyle Medicine, which focuses on um, lifestyle uh, uh, issues to uh, prevent and treat disease. So now I incorporate uh, all of that lifestyle uh, into what I do. I mean, well, what I do as a surgeon, I think is very valuable mm-hmm. because like I said, by the time they get to me, they need something to save their life or their limb uh, or prevent them from having a stroke or more strokes. But at the same time, um, I try to teach them that there is a, a better way to live, a better way to eat, incorporate nutrition, uh, intro, uh, uh, incorporate healthy habits, uh, stop smoking, start exercising, get better sleep. Uh, so those are some of the tenets uh, uh, or the pillars of lifestyle medicine. Does, uh, that, was a long, that was a long answer for no, your question. No, no, that was good. You covered a lot of things. And I was just going to say, does a plant-based diet fall in there somewhere? So yeah, I mean, I I, I uh, promote uh, a whole food plant based diet as the healthiest approach mm-hmm. uh, to a, a healthy uh, uh, a nutritional lifestyle, um, uh, and this is based on um, data and science uh, uh, as to what's the best approach. So what I what I ad- advocate for is people eating more fresh uh, vegetables, fresh fruits, grains, legumes. Um, uh, uh, stay away from processed foods, uh, stay away from salt, oil, and sugar, uh, and uh, either decrease or eliminate uh, your consumption of meat. Uh, a, a lot of the diseases, especially the disease I treat, is uh, highly related to cholesterol and saturated fat. Uh, and the primary sources of, uh, the only source of cholesterol in our diet is meat. Uh, and uh, and then the primary source of uh, saturated fat in our diet is animal products. Uh, so uh, when you can eliminate those from your diet, you've done yourself a tremendous service uh, on the road to a healthier lifestyle. And then incorporating all of these healthy things, uh, the things that we don't eat today. Most Americans don't eat more than one serving of fruit and one serving of vegetables a day. That's uh, kind of the average, but we should be having four or five. Fruits and vegetables are full of 
uh, vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, phytonutrients, fiber, uh, so many things that are so good for us uh, that uh, but we're not getting it. Uh, and the funny thing is that people talk about getting their protein and uh, they got to eat meat to get their protein, but they don't because protein is in all uh, uh, plant uh, 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 plant foods, uh, especially the legumes like uh, lentils, chickpeas, and beans. Uh, so there's high protein content there. Uh, but uh, what we really are, so I've never seen in, in 25 years of practice, well, and you can add, actually add seven years of training before that. So in 32 years of being a physician, I've never seen one example of protein deficiency in the United States. So we're not, we're not really, we don't really have a problem with protein. In fact, we, we, we the stu uh, studies are showing that we actually have a problem with excess protein in our diet today. Uh, it's causing problems with people's kidneys. Our kids are getting too much protein, uh, which is causing problems with their health. Uh, but what we are is a fiber deficient society. Um, 97% of Americans do not get the recommended daily amount of fiber. Mm. Uh, and so if they would just eat more fruits and vegetables and, and beans and grains, they would. Uh, and and uh, the science has shown that if you eat a high fiber, low cholesterol diet, it takes your uh, cardiac risk down from 40%, which is the size of the standard American, uh, down to about 5%. So uh, uh, the number one killer of Americans, which is cardiovascular disease, uh, can be tremendously impacted by the way you eat. And so, yes, I advocate for a whole food plant-based uh, uh, approach to eating. And, and, and uh, you know, I say whole food in front of plant-based because plant-based just means you don't eat animals and animal products, but whole food means also you eat it in its kind of more natural state and also staying away from frying and oil and, and processed foods. Okay. And when, it, when you mentioned exercise before as being part of a healthy lifestyle, what, what are you looking at? What do you, what do you suggest minimums are or styles of exercise, that kind of thing? Yeah. You know, so uh, we don't have to be um, uh, marathoners or, uh, or, or bodybuilders who deform their bodies that, you know, like, like we see on uh, the magazines and on TV, because those aren't, those aren't, you know, realities, but we, we need to incorporate regular exercise into our lifestyle. Uh, and I, what, what I will say is that, uh, if, if you want to ask me what's more important, uh, 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 diet or exercise, well, diet is really more important. I'd say diet is 80% of the game and exercise is, uh, you know, part of that remaining 20%. Uh, and there's, uh, you know, an expression I use, which is you cannot exercise away a bad diet. You might look good on the outside, but we are what we eat. Mm -hmm. So if you're feeding yourself crap, if you're feeding yourself uh, processed foods and fatty meats and meats full of cholesterol and uh, unhealthy foods uh, and low fiber and foods that are low in phytonutrients and antioxidants. That's what you are on the inside. And the exercise might make you look good on the outside, but we are what we eat. So, uh, uh, and I, I digress a little bit, but uh, uh, so uh, exercise is important as part of the one of the pillars of lifestyle. And uh, I'll, give, I'll give you an example. If you go back a hundred years, if you, you know how we are always counting steps today Sure. and people go, okay, I want to get my 10,000 steps in 10,000 yeah. steps is a really nice number. Okay. Uh, for me, 10,000 steps translates to about four, four and a half miles. Uh, and, um, but uh, if you go back a hundred years, the average person got in 23,500 steps a day. Wow. That's just that was just their normal lifestyle. They weren't trying to get in extra right, steps. Right, right, right. That's just that's just the way they lived. And and today the average person gets three thousand five hundred steps in a day. So uh, ec uh, we have as a society gone down, 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 down as far as um, kind of our our just traditional walking. So for me, I you know I I I say exercise is important both. Uh, kind of a, a cardiovascular type of exercise, which would be walking or power walking. Um, and then also some resistance exercise, uh, which is not, you know, yeah, I'm not talking about bodybuilder uh, stuff, but just moderate, modest uh, weightlifting uh, to get some resistance, especially as we age, as our muscle mass becomes less, mm -hmm. we need to support that muscle mass uh, and, uh, and, and help keeps our, keep ourselves, uh, stronger. So, um, from a walking perspective, 
kind of a current recommendation is about 150 minutes a week. So 30 minutes, five times a day of a, uh, a good walk. Um, or if you're a power uh, or if you're a runner or someone who does some jogging, you can cut that time in half. So 15 minutes, five times a week. So it's, uh, uh, but, uh, but, but for me, I don't even run anymore. I used to be an avid, avid runner, maybe, you know, three to six miles a day, um, uh, 20, 20 to 30 miles a week. And, uh, uh, there's, there's, you pay a price for that. And my knees are, uh, you know, this is before I learn more. I tell people today, you know, you don't have to run because, there's possibility of having some consequences uh, down the road. And I've, I've paid that consequence with my knees. Um, uh, So uh, uh, 30 minutes of brisk walking uh, uh, five times a week is kind of the standard. And then, uh, you know, I, I, I say, I tell people mix it up, um, put in a little bit of resistance exercise, maybe a couple times a week, do some uh, uh, moderate uh, weightlifting don't go out and uh, 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 one of the most common ways I actually see people injuring themselves is going out and trying to be power lifters because they think that's what they have to be, right. you know, uh, squatting hundreds of pounds or, uh, you know, uh, bench pressing something. And so they'll tear a pectoralis or a biceps or, or, or rupture a disc mm. uh, and cause really, per- you know, serious permanent damage to their bodies because they were doing something which wasn't necessary to be healthy. Right. There's and when and when I say mix it up, you can do other things. Um, uh, brisk activity could be uh, dancing, um, or uh, and then also I tell people to do things like uh, incorporate uh, uh, other types of physical activity like yoga. Yoga satisfies several things. It's some act, uh, uh, exercise, but it's also very meditative and it relieves stress. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it, it doesn't have to be walking. It can be it can be swimming. Um, so it can be uh, it can be cycling, you know. So there's a, a lot of opportunities for getting out there uh, and do what resonates with you uh, for for a form of exercise. But walking, I mean, anyone can do just about anywhere. So it doesn't cost you know it doesn't cost anything. So that's yeah, right. That's great Absolutely. Know. One of the things I like about you, Doctor Riz, is unlike most other doctors I know, you have to schedule an appointment to talk with them. But you actually do walk, kind of like walk and learns. Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, it's funny, um, uh, back when Maya and I started to not just apply this, Maya, my wife, uh, 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 who you've been on her podcast, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely, uh, yeah. uh, So when we started to apply the practice of teaching my patients um, these lifestyle pillars, uh, uh, which, you know, I will qualify this, I've always taught patients uh, lifestyle modification, I would always teach them to uh, quit smoking and to start exercising, but I just never stressed um, nutrition as much because I did not. I personally also didn't understand how important nutrition was. Sure. But anyway, uh, many many years ago, Maya was the wellness coordinator for my clinic, uh, and but then it expanded, and uh, 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 we out we now uh, have expanded this to a community thing. So we have our our website, which is uh, plant based DFW. Uh, which uh, we're changing actually to healthy lifestyle solutions uh, because we want it, we're, you know, we've kind of expanded beyond the Dallas Fort Worth area. Yeah. So uh, we wanted to kind of have a, a more relevant name. Uh, but uh, uh, what was the question? What was I answering? No, I, I was, I had asked you, or I had mentioned the fact that um, most of the time people don't have access to doctors unless oh, they yeah, yeah, want yeah. to go visit with them, but you do yeah. these walk and talks yeah. Yeah. and uh, I don't so, know how often you're doing them, but I, I know people be interested in knowing. Yeah, so one of the things that we instituted to, to reach the community was something called Walk and Talk with Dr. Riz. And uh, we had shirts printed up and, uh, you know, paraphernalia, and I would advertise it to our community and my patients. And we would uh, arrange for a, a thing where they would come out and just be able to talk to me and walk with me. And, uh, and, and it wasn't long after we initiated that that we heard about a, a nationwide initiative uh, called Walk with a Doc. Um, and, uh, uh, and it was exactly what we were doing, yeah. uh, but it was, uh, a, a nationwide alliance of, uh, something, uh, of that Walk with Doc was initiated by someone who's become a, a, a relatively good acquaintance of mine, David Savier, MD, he's a cardiologist, mm-hmm. uh, and he's out of Ohio. 
And uh, so we joined that. And so instead of walk and talk with Dr. Riz, uh, it's now walking, we're now walk with the doc. Okay. Uh, and okay. so, uh, and we go, a uh, funny thing is probably one of our first ones, uh, and this was pre pandemic era, someone thought it was walk with the dog. So they brought the dog. <laughs> uh, well, and, why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I actually have no problem with that. Uh, whatever gets you outside uh, mm-hmm. active and walking. Um, I, I mean, there's this great story about somebody in, in our community who uh, was very overweight and he got a dog. His doctor mm-hmm. prescribed a dog to him mm-hmm. and uh, he got the dog. And then in, in having to care for the dog, part of that was getting out every day and walking and uh, and this guy tra- changed his life, transformed his life. So mm-hmm. uh, I think animals can do that for you. Uh, and uh, uh, so uh, walk with the doc is something that we do. Um, uh, it's it's a monthly thing. You can do it more often, but we do it one one day a month. Uh, the pandemic actually impacted us for a while. We actually suspended mm-hmm. walks, but we have restarted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we're back to doing it for us now. Right now, it's the third Saturday of every month at mm-hmm. noon. Uh, so we try to keep it consistent. Um, so uh, it'll be next next Saturday. Uh, well, I don't even I don't know. Well, it depends on when you publish this. So it, we may or may not. But just for, uh, you know, for the audience, it's yeah, here in Dallas, Saturday. and and they can find it on our website where we where we promote it. Also promote it on my Facebook and my wife's Facebook, and I mean I'm sorry, and and our Instagrams. Uh, and uh, uh, and and pe- I I start with a little health topic. Um, it might be what's the health, what's this month? Is today heart is this heart month or diabetes month? Huh. And I might, so I might talk, uh, talk about that health topic, or I might just talk about something that's interesting to me. And uh, you know, I've talked about heart disease, metabolic syndrome, diabetes. So this coming, uh, our next talk, uh, the uh, the topic is going to be diabetes. Of course, I don't cover a lot because you know I just talk for five minutes or ten minutes, and and we answer a few questions, and then we get walking. And then people, and then I just move back and forth. You know, we, there's, we're on a trail. It's a one mile circle. It's so it's beautiful. Uh, it's on a lake uh, with uh, lots of uh, flora and fauna and animals, ducks and squirrels. And, uh, and so it's a, it's a nice walk. And then it, it tends to lengthen and spread out based on each person's individual kind of capabilities. And then I kind of move back and forth between the people and just talking and they can ask me anything. I don't wear a white coat, so there's no white coat syndrome. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, uh, people ask me all sorts of questions. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's about the topic of the day and sometimes it's about their own personal things. Sometimes it's about, you know, uh, my love for hiking and camping and uh, or something like that. Uh, and then, and then you know, we kind of go, we go around at a minimum of once and sometimes twice. Uh, some people... Well, then, you know, we'll, you know, we, we often stop at that because we try to keep it to about an hour. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then sometimes people, other people will keep on going for another round. So uh, it's the, the idea there is to get people out and walking and this is part of that. And then hopefully they make it part of their lifestyles and and make it a habit as well. Okay. And that's every third Saturday at noon. And uh, where is that at? Or should they go to the... yeah, it's best just to go to our website. It's okay. close to, uh, it's in central Dallas. Um, and uh, it's at a park uh, where we have, uh, you know, it's free access and, and some reasonable amount of parking. So, uh, and uh, they can get that information on our website. Uh, and right, you know, we do it at noon during the winter months because mm-hmm. I'll have to warm up a little bit. Uh, when it gets really hot, uh, we'll uh, probably move it up earlier in the day. Sure. Uh, and then we also have an alternative uh, at the mall at the mall. Uh, but it's hard to it's hard to get, you know, if, if the weather's kind of iffy, it's hard to know, you know, uh, get everybody to switch over one place or other. And we're working on that and we're trying to create a WhatsApp group for our walkers okay. so that we can have more immediate communication. OK, guys, we're switching locations because of uh, rain. Or we're switching locations because of the snow or the ice, but uh, uh, or or we're switching locations because it's 114 degrees outside and uh, we need to get indoors. You know, right. uh, Texas has its uh, its unique challenges uh, with the extremes in weather. You know, we get about two weeks each spring and and fall where it's just ideal, right? Uh, and otherwise, we have to deal with the weather. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Okay, cool, wonderful. Um, in practicing medicine. I don't know why y'all are practicing. It's not just perfect. I'm just kidding. Yeah, uh, I've been practicing. I've been practicing for 25 years. I wonder when I'm going to get it right. 
Um, I'm sure you do very well. Uh, what about what's the most challenging part of what you do overall? What's what's for you that you can mention? <laughs> what's the most you know frustrating thing? I'm just curious. You know, I mean, I think obviously there's not just one thing that's challenging or frustrating. Obviously, the funny thing is the first thing that comes to mind when you ask me that question has nothing to do with me being a doctor. Mm -hmm. It's the bureaucracy of medicine today. And, uh, and I won't get into that too much, but that's really what frustrates me the most because it doesn't allow most of us who uh, want to be physicians and take care of patients and interact with patients. And uh, it, it takes up so much of our time. Uh, uh, what that, and that bureaucracy is a, a mountain of paperwork, uh, whether it's documentation or billing or, or fighting with insurance companies. Uh, people just don't realize how much time we actually spend. Mm -hmm. um, probably more than half of each of it, one of my days is not caring for patients, not seeing people face to face or operating on patients. So the bureaucracy is really the most frustrating aspect of my uh, 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 work. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, um, uh, the day I become financially independent, mm -hmm. um, I'll go. I'll go work for free, and uh, because that's how much I love what I do and working with people, and uh, and then you know, which means maybe I free myself of all that bureaucratic paperwork, uh, and I get to care more for people and worry less about the uh, all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I, I'm working real hard on that financial independence. Right. Uh, and, uh, and then, you know, maybe even more time, you know, in a sense, kind of like our, our, our plant-based worker or our, our lifestyle work is our, our calling and our mission. I would like, I would love to be able to, uh, uh, do, do my vascular work uh, for free as well. Um, uh, but the, uh, you know, maybe the other frustrating, major frustrating thing is, is what I already alluded to you was the frustration of my, uh, patients weren't getting better. The, the disease process was continuing. So my patients were, and again, I use these phrases uh, commonly, my patients were repeat offenders. They kept coming back. So that that's the frustration that I face. And that's why I became, uh, you know, so focused on lifestyle uh, as an opportunity to teach people. And, you know, my, like I said, my patients are already uh, at a point where they have to have major mm -hmm. uh, interventions, surgeries, amputations, bypasses, stents. Um, but, uh, uh, that's also why we reach out to the community and try to get to people at a, at a younger age. Uh, the idea is if they can change their lifestyles, um, they can change the trajectory of their lives. Um, and it, and it, you know, it doesn't take much. They say just incorporating, uh, one more serving of fruit, one more serving of vegetables a day decreases your cardiovascular risk by 17%. So just, um, you know, I don't ask everybody. Uh, I don't ask everybody to go, uh, you know, where I am, uh, you know, uh, where I am is a consequence of my experiences and my choices and what I've seen. Um, and not everybody, uh, you know, has to be where I am. I, I try to, I just try to get them to move the needle more in that direction. Mm -hmm. And so one more serving of fruit and vegetables a day, mm -hmm. uh, makes them healthier. And it probably crowds out since they're a little bit fuller from that, it probably crowds out some of the bad stuff, you know? And then, you know, so, um, that's my, my big, my, probably my biggest frustration clinically is that, and that's why I do what I do today. Do you, do you think there is, and this is what I've always said, but I'm not a doctor, but I've always said that it seems like most people have it made up that it's just the fickle finger of genetic fate. In other words, yeah. oh, dad had cancer, grandpa had this or what, you know, and so, well, I'm kind of doomed. Whereas from what I've read, what I've been able to ascertain is less than 10% of the time do genetics have anything to do with it. It's repeated behaviors. Yeah. So genet there's no doubt about it. Genetics is involved. Okay. Mm -hmm. We all uh, kind of genes rule our lives. Uh, but, you know, I kind of talk about a few different things. Um, yes, the reality is purely genetic diseases are less than 10%. It might even be only be 5 to 8%. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so when I quote that 80% of the chronic disease today is lifestyle related. Okay. Right. Um, but there's a, it's a combination of uh, these genes that we have and the lifestyle we live and what those lifestyles cause those genes to do. Okay. Mm -hmm. And how, how I explain that is that um, uh, if you look at the human race, 
uh, we're essentially genetically identical. Uh, our 99.99% of our genes are the same. Our chromosomes are the same. Uh, and we all have all the same genes on, uh, they're mapped out on the chromosomes on our 23 pairs of chromosomes where we got all these genes mapped out. We know where they are. We know what they are. And, but we, we don't all express all of our genes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Some are turned on, some are turned off. Some are turned on at certain times in our lives. Some are turned on at other times in our lives. Uh, and various factors turn genes on and off. Some are always on, some are always off. Uh, but uh, there's a, 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 the science of, of that is called epigenetics. Epigenetics is what turns our genes on and off. And um, so uh, 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 environmental exposures turn, can turn genes on and off. Simple, easy, easy ones to, to understand about that are certain environmental exposures that we know cause cancer. Okay, so we know that uh, smoking causes cancer. We know that asbestos causes bad lung disease. We know that plutonium causes radiation poisoning. Okay, those are all class one carcinogens. Okay, and so those those environmental exposures cause problems with our genes, and we get uh, you know bad health. Uh, what people don't understand and don't realize is probably the number one environmental exposure that we have in our, in our entire lives is our food. Every day, three times a day or more we're putting food inside our bodies. And that food is, is a very much a part of our epigenetic makeup. It turns genes on and off. Uh, there's studies that show that increased exposure to dairy causes prostate cancer. There's other studies that show that increased exposure to plant-based foods turns on genes that prevent prostate cancer. So, uh, and by the way, the things I talk about are all scientifically based. There's right. not, there's, there's okay. studies to back it up. Sure. Not, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't the keto diet or, you know, Weight Watchers or, you know, the South Beach diet that, right. you know, I'm just making up or the paleo diet that I'm just kind of making up uh, because it, oh, it's cool or because I want to justify eating meat uh, or a certain lifestyle. Um, this is based on science. That's what convinced me uh, to do it. it wasn't just that, oh, Rip Esselstyn said it in the talk. It was the science that convinced me and uh, helped me understand this. So the science—it's the the uh, these genes—the genes are turned on and off by our environmental exposures. Um, so uh, uh, we, you know, these chronic diseases we treat today: atherosclerosis, hypertension, diabetes, obesity—they didn't exist almost didn't exist 150 years ago. So uh, it's uh, 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 our, uh, the, uh, the way our lifestyles have changed that has made these more prominent. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's my answer to saying that, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's some genetic component. There, there, there's some genetic component, uh, but, but, but mostly it's our, uh, it's our environmental exposure. You know, nature versus nurture. Okay, well, this is mostly our nurture, our exposure. And uh, yeah, to say that, you know, that story about dad and my uncle, you know, dad had a stroke and my uncle had uh, heart disease and they died young. Um, and well, yeah, you certainly did inherit the same genes as them. Mm -hmm. So if you live the same lifestyle as them, how can you expect a different outcome? Mm -hmm. And so the idea there is to live a different uh, lifestyle uh, and live a, a better lifestyle. And that's where I promote lifestyle. Okay, perfect. What are the three things that if someone said, Dr. Riz, what are three things, I, I'm a not, not a smoker, what are three things I can do uh, to help shift my health in the right direction? What would you say? Well, I would say the first thing I typically work on with people is to focus on their nutrition. Okay, okay. so... I, uh, you know, I, um, I, it really kind of depends on, I, I have patients in my general vascular practice, then I kind of have my own plant-based patients on the side and we uh, kind of have different approaches, but, uh, you know, um, uh, the first thing we tend to focus on is nutrition, but, uh, 
uh, with every with everybody who wants to sit and spend the time with me, we make a a list of what are the lifestyle pillars and where are you on that, and then what are the different ways that we can start to make an impact on that. Mm-hmm. And I I never ask anybody to go from I, I will say to get from point A to point Z, you have to go through every letter of the alphabet. You can't just jump from A to Z. So you take small steps. And um, so I like what you said. What are three things you can do? Um, I often even just start with what is one thing you can do? Sure. Okay. And then when you come back and see me next time, let's see how you did with that one thing. Mm-hmm. And it might be it might be as simple as my prescription. My prescription might be uh, add one serving of greens to your diet each day. That It might be that simple. And then the next time it'll be, okay, eliminate processed foods from your diet. So that means they have to go through their pantry and throw out the Nutter Butters and the Oreo. For, for those of us who are plant-based, the Nutter Butters and the Oreos and the Lay's potato chips and um, uh, the junk food, okay, the, the processed food and the vegan donuts. Uh, and uh, and so, uh, and then, uh, you know, the next time it might be incorporate an additional, you know, uh, serving of fruit mm-hmm. or, uh, get, or, and, and it's not the same fruit every day. It's get some variety, you know, of fruits. Uh, so try it for, uh, and there's a, uh, you know, so it's, it is, I take baby steps. So those, those, those would be, uh, kind of the first things I say is number one, incorporate more fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. Just don't, and don't, no, don't try to do, you know, everything overnight. Number two, eliminate processed foods. Um, uh, and actually really important to me is salt. Um, salt is the number one cause of hypertension in the United States. Uh, we take in way too much salt. We don't realize how much salt we're taking in. It's in everything. When you eat out, it's in everything you buy at the store. Um, and then many of us add salt on top of our foods. And so we get a few to three times as much sodium on a daily basis than we need. And so it's a significant contributor to uh, hypertension in our society and when you eliminate salt and sodium from your diet it's an amazing thing your your blood pressure can drop 10 15 20 points so uh maybe uh if you so today if you ask me it's number one add more fruits and vegetables number two decrease the number of processed foods you're eating number three eliminate salt from your diet now that's not the end of it okay and that's why it's a process it's a process it really is and then and it's you're never going to be perfect I'm far from perfect. Uh, the only time which we, we really control what we eat is at home. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when you eat out, you have less control. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, uh, so, you know, there's other things that I'll talk about. I would talk about sugar. We are a sugar addicted society. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's sugar in everything. When you eat out, they make they put sugar in everything. And, we, and the, all the foods you buy uh, have sugar. In. Uh, and that's a tough one because when you start to eliminate sugar from your diet, People go through terrible, terrible withdrawals. It's terrible. They get cranky. They get mean. They don't feel like getting out of bed. Um, but that passes, though, right? It does. It does. It, within maybe about three or four or five days, okay. it does. So it, it, here's a, yeah. Here's a funny thing. Uh, funny, uh, funny, ironic. I'm not <laughs> sure what, what what funny. But when people become plant based, a lot. You know, I I I transitioned slowly um, over the course of months mm-hmm. um i just felt that that was the way i could do it my wife maya was did it overnight she just cut it off and did it she was already mostly plant-based anyways she was a pescatarian mostly mm-hmm. uh so it wasn't very hard for her to make the change but for me i i did have to uh transition over time but for many people who make that change very suddenly they actually uh they actually feel bad when they first start and for the first three or four or five days, they're lethargic and they're cranky and they don't have any energy and they blame it on the diet. But that's actually not the diet. It's they're going through withdrawals uh, from their that toxic diet that they were on there since that. And that's what people many people don't understand. So after three or four days, they revert back going, oh, my God, this isn't for me. It's not working. But if you can fight through that. Then just on the other side of that is a healthier lifestyle. And I'm almost 100% of people that I've ever seen make the change say, I feel better. I feel so much better. You can't imagine. And it's because we're all walking around not realizing 
how bad we truly feel. Our new baseline is down here because we, and we think that's normal. Okay. We just think this is the way we're supposed to feel. But once you start eating better and healthier, our new baseline is up here. And this, you just kind of have to break through that little bit of a uh, withdrawal period, which is causing you to feel bad. Just the same way an alcoholic goes through withdrawals when they're first uh, uh, stopping alcohol or, yeah. or, or a drug, uh, a drug addict, you know, when they, when they stop the drug and they're going through withdrawals. So it's uh, the same way when you stop eating the bad food, you're going to go through some withdrawals. So it's not the, no good food you're eating that's causing the problem mm -hmm. it's the withdrawals that are causing you okay and that's usually people they get they run into those withdrawals and they just like oh this isn't working and then they go back to in other words they didn't yeah. they didn't quite make that turn that would have them free they, from that they didn't they didn't give it long enough they didn't yeah and also that's like i said for mostly for people who just kind of try to do it overnight mm -hmm. uh i i kind of tend to i tend to more focus on people transitioning slowly and that kind of tends to diminish uh, or attenuate those uh, withdrawal symptoms. Now, you're still going to have them because when when I say st uh, eliminate added oil, people you notice that. Or when they, uh, uh, you know, you eliminate salt, they notice it. Or, or when you eliminate added sugar. But just think about that. If you tried to stop everything all at once, just think about the impact that is on your psyche, the way you eat and the way you feel, mm -hmm. okay, versus doing a little bit slowly over time. Mm -hmm. so yeah I, I i think that uh uh i also I, I i keep using expressions i think it's if you fail to plan your plan you plan to fail and so i always have people have a plan okay that makes perfect sense what is your favorite go-to snack and I, I would say plant-based but that's all we eat so i know that so yeah yeah uh, but what is, uh, is um oh uh, you know what pops to mind to me really are blueberries. Uh -huh. uh, I when I when I get a, a good set, you know, I, I, I will admit blueberries are a little bit hit and miss. Sometimes they're great and sometimes they're just okay. I'm with you. Uh, but when I get a, a good set of blueberries, um, I just can't stop eating. And they're also just one of the healthiest things for you in the world. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, berries in general are extremely healthy. They're full of phytonutrients and antioxidants and they're one of the healthiest foods uh, on the planet. So uh, berries are something that I, I go to blueberries, but you can, uh, for people looking for a snack, it can be blackberries or um, blueberries or um, uh, strawberries. So berries in general are very, very good for you. But uh, yeah, there's this uh, game we all play many uh, in, our, in the plant-based community that uh, it's how many different plant foods can we eat in a week? And, uh, you know, is it, can we get to 30? Can we get to 50? And it's actually not that hard. It's not that hard. Uh, when, uh, once you kind of established a diet, even in a day, you'll eat 15 or 20 different types of plant foods, which is that variety is amazing. And, uh, and the, the different healthy aspects of that are just amazing too. Fantastic. What about your favorite animal? What would that be, Dr. Riz? That would be this guy right here. Happy. Come here. Come here. Come here. Ah, right here. Oh, miniature. Miniature pincher. This is my, this is the son I never had. Oh. Because uh, <laughs> I, I, my, uh, uh, I have two young, I have two young adult girls, but I never had a boy. So I had, I, I adopted a boy when uh, I, at this point in life so but my yeah i'm, I'm a big i'm a big dog lover. Mm -hmm. um i love dogs uh, i i kind of i love their loyalty i love their just their they live in the moment uh they have no agenda <laughs> they love un, they love unconditionally uh and so for me uh dogs are my favorite animals I got no argument for you there. That's I well, you, it's, the, it's because you can't argue with that. <laughs> no, no, no. And I was always a cat person until my wife insisted we get a dog, and then that's what started me turning into plants. Was I realized how much Paisley resembled a pig in some ways, her rear legs and stuff, and that's what mm -hmm. kind of brought us together in that unconditional love. Um, it's not like a teenager that's you know throwing you shade. <laughs> you know, they just constantly love, and like you said. They're in the moment. They're not future. They're not past. They're just here. What's going on? Pet me. Yeah. 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 That's all. Awesome. Uh, yeah. 
So yeah, I, I actually think animals are uh, wonderfully therapeutic for people. Uh, and uh, they, 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 I, I always talk about the science now. I can't qu quote you this one, but mm -hmm. I've heard studies that say animal owners live longer. I, mm -hmm. And now, now, now I'm going to look that one up. But I think that that I think that's a true statement. I know that for a fact. I, I know that okay. to be true. I, I yeah. can't cite, cite anything, but I promise. It's, you'll, yeah. You'll so I can incorporate, I'm going to add a seventh pillar of lifestyle medicine. And that's get a dog. There you yeah. go. How's that? Yeah. yeah. I love it. I love yeah. it. It's a great idea, especially you're talking about to, for that one gentleman to take his dog for a walk each day. I was like, oh, that's yeah. smart. Uh, there, and, you know, there's something about caring for uh, another being uh, kind of unconditionally and and then what they do for you. Uh, uh, the kind of what I think about animals is, uh, uh, there, you know, there's other pillars of, uh, Amer uh, of lifestyle is stress management and uh, and even spirituality. Uh, and uh, and they, I think they can help help you in both of those areas. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, well put. Okay. One last question. Um, is there a particular book or movie, one of the two that you've read in your lifetime or recently um, that you'd want to share with other people that they'd get something from? You know, uh, since, uh, since we're focusing on um, the plant-based lifestyle or, uh, or healthy lifestyle. Yeah. Um, I think uh, the documentary forks over knives is probably a really great place for people to start. You know, I mean, I, certainly I, I mentioned the China study book and I mentioned the how to prevent reverse heart disease book, mm -hmm. but documentaries are, are fun to watch. Mm -hmm. And so this is, it, and it's all, it contains a lot of information uh, and uh, it gives you something that entertaining. And yet it, it really, uh, when I watched it, I was blown away. And uh, I, I, without giving away the whole story, mm -hmm. it's again forks over knives documentary. Um, uh, it's it's a uh, about how to, a guy who had some medical conditions and they're following him and uh, what they're doing specifically with plant based nutrition uh, to uh, manage that, and 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 they follow him over time. And uh, but what I found was amazing was not only did they impact what I call their three primary endpoints, but about 20 other, 20 plus other symptoms that he was having went away or got better. Yeah. And that's, that's where I get at the point where we, we actually don't understand how bad we feel. Uh, and then when, when you change your health through better nutrition, uh, uh, you, I, uh, just a lot of stuff goes away. Uh, and, 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 that, and that was the case for me too. Um, uh, I, I didn't even get into my own personal health history, but I was uh, well on my road to the development of many chronic diseases. Uh, and uh, so uh, uh, this lifestyle has uh, reversed those or stayed those off or make, you know, uh, made me healthier. Okay, fantastic. Um... Dr. Riz, thanks for taking the time to visit with us today. It was fun. Yeah, well, I enjoyed it. Uh, there was no football on today, so we we, we were able to get it done, right? <laughs> yeah. Every time That's you right. want to talk even to thought, me, I haven't even thought of that, but yeah. yes. Every time you want to talk to me, I'm like, well, you know, it's uh, so, you know, there's going to be some football on, so we'll, we'll, let's talk after, right? Or we try to find a, a gap in between. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I I, I appreciate it. And uh, where where can people find out more about what you do and and what you're up to? So, you know, we have a variety of uh, social media mm -hmm. outlets. Um, I, I have an Instagram page, which is my primary. I, I also have Facebook. Um, I, uh, I, and then uh, Maya has a podcast, a very well-respected and mm -hmm. up-and-coming uh, podcast. It's called Healthy, Li uh, Healthy Lifestyle Solutions. So, uh, uh, you know, so uh, those are the resources I would recommend. Um, probably the one best place to go to, to, to have links to all those resources is our website. And our website is plantbaseddfw.com. Okay. Uh, and, but that will be changing, uh, in the near future to healthy lifestyle solutions. Okay. Uh, but, but just, re uh, just remember plantbaseddfw.com, DFW for Dallas, Fort Worth. Okay. Uh, and, 
and then that and that has uh you know an introduction to us what we're about some resources for you lots of links and then lots of links to you know our different uh uh social media uh and the things we're going to do and as we revamp this uh you know as we're getting busier again uh, mm -hmm. with uh more activities our activities will be up there as well you know before what i call pre-pandemic we used to do two or three activities a month with movie screenings speakers potlucks uh and that all went away and we're all we were all we were all zooming right uh -huh. we learned a new t we learned a new valuable tool that's true um that's true. Uh, uh but uh you know it's nice to resume some of those in-person things so our events will be on there as well oh, that's fantastic well dr is thanks again for taking the time today and uh, uh y'all have a wonderful day thanks well thank you thank you brett i had a lot of fun take care Bye-bye. Right,